0: Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. Today, our guest on the podcast for sharing is Dr. Benjamin Smith, who is well known to us. Let's welcome him with your warm applause. Could you please say hello to our audience, Dr. Smith?
1: Good evening, all dear followers of this podcast. Good evening, Connie. It is delightful to see you again. Thank you for your gracious invitation. I am thrilled to be here.
0: The focus of our discussion today will center around the stem and progenitor cells derived from cord blood. Cord blood has been utilized in hematopoietic stem cell transplantation to treat a significant number of patients with both malignant and non malignant disorders. However, there exist noteworthy disadvantages in using cord blood as a source of hematopoietic stem cells, including prolonged recovery times for neutrophils, platelets, and immune cells. Before delving further, Could you kindly provide us with a concise overview of today's main points?
1: My pleasure. We are going to review recent efforts to enhance the engrafting capability of cord blood cells through double-cord blood transplantation, as well as methods to enhance the homing and engraftment of the limited number of cells present in a single-cord blood transplantation. The time for cryogenic preservation of umbilical cord blood and its effective recovery has now far exceeded 20 years. Moreover, cord blood cells that are retrieved can generate induced pluripotent stem cells and endothelial colony-forming cells with high proliferative activity. In conclusion, efforts to enhance cord blood as a more efficient and efficacious source of transplantable cells are ongoing.
0: What are the advantages of cord blood compared to other stem cell sources? Conversely, what drawbacks hinder the widespread adoption of cord blood?
1: The utilization of cord blood presents unique advantages over bone marrow or mobilized peripheral blood. These advantages encompass easy access to cells, the availability of cord blood stored as banked collections, with human leukocyte antigen typing, and a reduced incidence of graft-versus-host disease, which enables more flexible human leukocyte antigen matching for transplantation into both unrelated and related recipients. However, the limited quantity of cells in a single cord blood collection remains one of the most prominent disadvantages. This limitation can significantly increase the graft failure rate not only prolonging the time for neutrophil and platelet engraftment, but also delaying the recovery of immune cells when compared to the use of bone marrow or mobilized peripheral blood. While these disadvantages may partly stem from the reduced number of donor cells available for cord blood engraftment, it should be noted that this may not be the sole or primary reason for the delayed engraftment time.
0: What is the strategy employed to overcome these limitations? Does it prove to be effective?
1: Researchers have utilized double cord blood transplantation as a means to address these drawbacks. This approach has yielded positive outcomes, including a substantial increase in the number of cord blood transplants conducted for the treatment of adults and higher weight children, as well as a reduction in graft failure. However, the use of double cord blood units inevitably doubles the cost compared to single cord blood units. Moreover, in most double cord blood transplants, only one unit emerges as the dominant or sole unit for long term engraftment. Double cord blood units do not appear to significantly hasten the reconstitution of neutrophils, platelets, or immune cells. Additionally, double cord blood transplants lead to elevated levels of graft versus host disease, partially counteracting the advantage of reduced graft versus host disease observed in single cord blood unit transplantation.
0: Is ex vivo expansion of hematopoietic stem cells from cord blood currently available for clinical transplantation?
1: Not yet. To date, no team has been able to significantly expand long term repopulating self-renewing human hematopoietic stem cells A notable study combining Notch ligands with cytokine-induced stimulation showed clinically relevant enhancement of ex vivo expansion of cord blood hematopoietic stem cells However, the expanded cells were not the ideal long-term hematopoietic stem cells The lack of clear phenotypic information about human hematopoietic stem cells poses a challenge for their expansion In contrast to mice Where a single phenotypic hematopoietic stem cell can be engrafted long-term into a lethally irradiated mouse recipient, human hematopoietic stem cells have been functionally studied in the laboratory by their ability to engraft sublethally irradiated immunodeficient mice.
0: I see. So, what is the key to facilitating the ex vivo expansion of human hematopoietic stem cells?
1: Several models are available to better define the phenotype of human hematopoietic stem cells. These models include the traditional non-obese diabetic severe combined immunodeficiency mouse strain, as well as a model of an interleukin-2 receptor gamma null mutation that provides a more efficient recipient for human hematopoietic stem cell engraftment. This new information can expedite the research process of ex vivo expansion of human hematopoietic stem cells since their phenotype can now be determined faster compared to using in vivo engraftment assays. However, it's important to note that the phenotype doesn't necessarily mirror the function. Specifically, when expanding a human hematopoietic stem cell with a defined phenotype under ex vivo culture conditions, the results must verify that this cell fulfills the functional definition of a hematopoietic stem cell.
0: Are there ways to enhance the engrafting capacity of a limited number of cells?
1: Yeah. Laboratory studies proposed several means for this including altering the proliferation, self-renewal, survival, and homing capacity of hematopoietic stem cells. These studies include modulation of hematopoietic stem cell function by inhibition of CD26, known as peptidase 4 in vivo or ex vivo, stimulation of fine with prostaglandin E ex vivo, alteration of cell surface glycosylation in target cells, and inhibition of the MTOR pathway ex vivo using rapamycin. Clinical trials are ongoing or under preparation for the first three of these four scenarios.
0: Are there ways to enhance the engrafting capacity of a limited number of cells?
1: Yes. Laboratory studies have proposed several approaches, including altering the proliferation, self-renewal, survival, and homing capacity of hematopoietic stem cells. These studies involve inhibiting CD26, known as dipeptidopeptidase 4, in vivo or ex vivo, stimulating fucosylation with prostaglandin E ex vivo, modifying cell surface glycosylation in target cells, and inhibiting the MTOR pathway ex vivo using rapamycin. Clinical trials are currently underway or being prepared for the first three scenarios.
0: Why CD26? What happens when it is suppressed?
1: CD26 is generally present on the surface of various hematopoietic cells, including hematopoietic stem cells, and is also found in the circulation in soluble form. CD26 truncates stromal cell-derived factor 1, rendering it unable to act as a chemotactic agent, and blocking the chemotactic activity of full-length stromal cell-derived factor 1. Based on this information, researchers have used CD26 inhibition to enhance the engraftment of a limited number of mouse bone marrow cells and mouse recipients, as well as human CD34 positive cord blood and mobilized peripheral blood cells in non-obese diabetic severe combined immunodeficiency mice. CD26 also truncates specific colony-stimulating factors, and inhibiting CD26 enhances the functional activity of these colony-stimulating factors in vitro. The absence of CD26 in mice has shown enhanced recovery of hematopoietic function after non-lethal irradiation and cytotoxic drugs.
0: What is the purpose of using prostaglandin E to stimulate cells ex vivo?
1: Prostaglandin E has been used to treat cell populations, containing hematopoietic stem cells and hematopoietic progenitor cells, with short-term pulses. By stimulating the homing and division of pretreated donor cells, it enhances the engraftment of mouse bone marrow and human cord blood into lethally irradiated and sublethally irradiated immune-deficient mice, respectively. Modifying the fucosylation status of donor cells has been shown to enhance the homing of mouse bone marrow hematopoietic stem cells in a mouse model. Overexpression of rib 2 in bone marrow cells leads to enhanced expansion of hematopoietic progenitors at the expense of repopulation of hematopoietic stem cell activity. This has led to studies using rapamycin to inhibit the MTOR pathway in combination with specific cytokines to enhance the functional capacity of human CD34-positive cells, engrafted ex vivo and non-obese diabetic severe combined immunodeficiency interleukin-2-receptor gamma chain-null mice.
0: It is hoped that the above treatment strategies and others to be developed will facilitate engraftment. What are the factors and conditions that need to be captured and considered?
1: The combination of such treatments may be the most effective, and careful consideration must be given to the timing and administration of these treatments. A deeper understanding of the effects of cytokines and the microenvironment on hematopoietic stem cells, as well as the intracellular signals induced by hematopoietic stem cells during proliferation, self-renewal, survival, differentiation, and homing or migration, is necessary. This understanding is crucial for manipulating human hematopoietic stem cells to improve engraftment. One clinical effort to enhance the engraftment of a limited number of cord blood cells is the use of intrafemoral delivery of donor cells to recipients instead of intravenous delivery, which may become the preferred cell infusion strategy.
0: What is the significance of establishing cord blood banking? What are the current problems faced?
1: Cord blood banking plays a vital role in clinical cord blood transplantation and is currently subject to increased scrutiny and government regulatory reform. One important question to consider is the preservation duration of thawed cord blood units and their effective recovery of hematopoietic stem cells and hematopoietic progenitor cells. Previous studies have shown effective recovery of cryopreserved cells after 15 years of frozen storage. More recently, fairly effective recovery has been observed after frozen cord blood storage for up to 23.5 years.
0: Many different types of non-hematopoietic cells have been reported to be found in umbilical cord blood, including endothelial progenitor cells and mesenchymal stem or stromal cells. Are the cryopreservation methods for hematopoietic stem cells and hematopoietic progenitor cells optimal for these types of cells?
1: Probably not. While endothelial progenitor cells can be cryopreserved and recovered, the recovery efficiency is lower compared to hematopoietic stem or progenitor cells. The efficient recovery of any particular cell type should be determined by comparing the recovery to an identical pre-freeze sample.
0: Exciting discoveries have been made in the field of induced pluripotent stem cells. Do cells from cord blood have any connection to such stem cells?
1: Yes. By enhancing or inducing the expression of specific key transcription factors, various mature cell types have been fully or partially reprogrammed to an embryonic stem cell-like state. Subsequently, these induced stem cells differentiate into cells of the mesoderm, endoderm, and ectoderm germ cell layers. This includes the differentiation of immature cells from cord blood. However, it is yet to be determined whether cord blood cells will be the preferred cell source for generating induced pluripotent stem cells.
0: Thank you for sharing your insights. It was a pleasure talking to you. We'll end here, and I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you very much. Same to you.